This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Maybe you should give up, not on your life you want or the dreams you've had for years, but instead, maybe you should give up on the things that are actually holding you back from them. Maybe you should give up on anything that is getting in the way of you living the life that you want. If that sounds really simple, that's because it is. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. After all, you may need to give up on things you've been holding on to for most of your life. Giving up is actually the key to being successful. Every single successful person gives up all of the time. They give up on strategies and approaches that aren't getting results. They give up on ideas or goals they realize they don't want. They give up on negative feelings and fears that hold them back. They give up on anything that is getting in the way of creating the life they want. Valeria interviews Byron Morrison. He is the author of Maybe You Should Give Up, Seven Ways to Get Out of Your Own Way and Take Control of Your Life. Byron is also a mindset and high-performance coach who has helped CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in 15 countries become who they need to be to break through to the next level of success. Meet Byron at byronmorrison.com. Here's the interview with Byron Morrison. In your own words, who is Byron Morrison? Hey, so Byron Morrison is the author of the book, Maybe You Should Give Up, Seven Ways to Get Out of Your Own Way and Take Control of Your Life. And I'm also a mindset and high performance coach who after the, over the last decade has worked with people in 15 different countries to help them become who they need to be to break through to the next level of success. How did you come to um, discover, uncover and do everything that you're doing today, Byron? Honestly, I fell into it. My journey all started after my dad got cancer. Um, at the time, I was at a period of my life where I was overweight. I was struggling with confidence. I was stuck in a job that was killing me. And truth be told, I was deeply unhappy. And luckily, he pulled through, which is something I'm eternally grateful for. But that for me was the wake-up call that life had to change. And I remember knowing what I needed to do, but for the next couple of years, I just wasn't doing it. I take one step forward and two steps back and everything from my health, my relationships and my professional success was at that point that I realized something else was going on. So I started learning everything I could about psychology and mindset and changing behaviors, determined to figure out how to turn my life around. And that was when I uncovered that the biggest barrier in the way was myself. It was a sabotaging voice in my head that was holding me back. Um, 
once I changed the way I thought and I got out of my own way, I've been fortunate enough at this point to write three best-selling books and worked with people in so many different countries, helping them overcome the barriers that I was struggling with myself. That raises the question about suffering and struggles. Do we have to go through challenging times in order to uncover this truth within ourselves, Byron? I think, unfortunately, we do. Because if things were great all of the time, we wouldn't be able to appreciate the good. And it's also in our darkest moments that we really figure out who we are, what we want, and we're pushed to a point that we have to move forward. Because one of my favorite quotes is what you tolerate, you can never change. And if things never get that bad, you can kind of just accept it and go through the motions. I think that's why a lot of people are stuck because they just put up with things because yes, they're unhappy, but they're not in enough pain to be pushed to do something drastic to change it. Well, there's so much truth um, in that because I remember my own life being this way. I had to go through rock bottom, as they say, in order to make some major change. That's sad, isn't it? Just thinking about now that we tolerate pain. Isn't it interesting? I know it has been said, you said, and it has been said that human beings can actually get very comfortable with the uncomfortable, which is good and not so good at the same time. So I have another open question for you. How do you define success and happiness these days? So The younger version of me would have defined success as earning a lot of money and having a really successful business. And while those things are still goals of mine, over the last few years from working with so many different CEOs and business owners who have gone paper, got everything, but are deeply miserable because they've sacrificed everything to get to where they are, my definition of success has changed. For me, it's about going to bed at night, knowing that you did the work that you wanted to do with the people that you wanted to do, and that your time actually had an impact on the world. Yes, you can still chase money and riches and have a really like fulfilling life, but if you're not happy doing it, for me, what's the point? And would you say that that is the, the purpose of the human experience, to make an impact? to help others, ourselves and others at the same time? I think for a lot of people it is. I don't want to say it's the purpose for everyone because we're all wired differently. And for some people, they want to change the world. For other people, that impact could be a good parent or pr provide for their kids. It's We've got to really define what that is on an individual level is I never want to sit here and be like, yeah, living a fulfilling life means making an impact because I never want to miss, like, put a misperception up that if someone's not trying to like do something huge and incredible that it's not worthwhile. I think it's as long as someone can go to bed at night happy with the choices they make and how they're spending their life, like that's all that matters. Ah, yeah. So this is, it's almost like a measurement then. That's the reference when we go to bed at night. You know, when I hear you saying that, I think about actually losing the body, dying. The moment that we are dying or about to die, if we are able to be aware of that, then that would be my reflection, just to be at peace with everything that I have done here. I know you call yep. it happiness. I, I use inner peace in peace more for some reason, but it's the same thing. Yeah, Basically, a great way of looking at it. Yeah. But my understandings of success, happiness and all that comes from uh, spiritual knowledge. So that's uh, an open question for you as well. Do you have any spiritual understandings of yourself in life, any philosophies or concepts? I'm not sure that I would label them necessarily spiritual, 
But the one big concept similar to what you just said, there's the driving force for me is realizing that you're never going to be able to change the time that you have here. And the harsh reality is a lot of people are going to wake up their end of their life looking back at what they didn't do and filled with thinking what if. And that's why for me, what terrifies me far more than failure or putting myself out there is that fear of regret. And this is why a lot of the time I use like the, the reference and framing of at the end of my days, am I going to regret not having done this? And I use that to make choices based on the life I want to live. So you just you define it as inner peace. Like for me, it's exactly the same. It's just like not wanting to reach the end of my days, wishing I could have done things differently. So I am kind of uh, can't wait to ask the question of how do we do that? <laughs> From your perspective, how do you help others to achieve this goal, this beautiful goal of going to bed happily? Yeah, I, I just asked you the question anyway. <laughs> For me, it's partly figuring out what does someone actually want. Like you've got it, everyone's different. So anyone listening to us right now really needs to take a look on a deeper level of what does the life that they want to look, live actually look like. That's going to start giving you clarity on the actions you need to take in order to get there and make it happen. But one thing I would also uh, add into that is also I'm not a big fan of looking too far into the future. Because a lot of people get caught up in saying, this is where I want to be in a year or five years or 10 years. But the problem with that is life can change. And when you put yourself too much in a box, you might end down a path where actually the life that you're living is or your career or business or something else you're doing, it's not something you want anymore. And that's okay. But if you're too holding on to it, that's where a lot of people struggle letting go and therefore they accept the situation they're in. You see it all the time where people may have worked their most of their life to build a career and then they realize it's not actually their passion or something they want to do anymore, but they struggle walking away from it because they convince themselves that they've put all this effort, they need to see it through. And that's why I always advocate to people, break it down, figure out, okay, where do I want to be in 90 days? What is a tangible step that you can take that will allow you to feel like you're moving forward and then reassess and don't put pressure on yourself if you want to pivot or change direction. And that ties in with the message in your book, maybe you should give up seven ways to get out of your own way and take control of your life. So in the book, you say giving up is actually the key to being successful. So I'd love to hear a bit more about this idea of giving up. I know that a lot of people including myself, when we look at the at that phrase, we think, oh, then it's basically accepting something that I don't want to accept. So it doesn't, initially doesn't sound like it's something beneficial to us, but I know the impact of that myself. But talk to me about this concept of giving up. Why did you choose to use those words, giving up, or give up? Yeah, so maybe you should give up is not about giving up on your goals and dreams. Instead, it's about giving up on everything that you're holding on to that's stopping you from reaching them. Because what I found over the last decade from working with so many people is that there are seven mental barriers that we hold on to that keep us stuck, stuck in our own head and stop us from taking the actions we need to take to create the life we want, whether that's holding on to fear, comparing ourselves to others, uh, being too hard on ourselves, or even putting off our happiness. We cling to these and they're the reason that we're stuck. And that's why the concept is all about giving up on holding on to all these things so that you can set yourself free. And... The reason why I love the title is it's just so counterintuitive because a lot of the self-help world is like never quit, keep pushing. But 
a lot of people, the, the reason why they don't move forward is they keep trying the same strategies that don't work. They keep chasing things they don't actually want. So the book is all about empowering you to just give up on everything that's not serving you so that you can finally take control of the life that you want. I guess a question that comes to mind that came from me is the doubts that arise when we given that choice, the option to give up something that's not serving us. So would you say the first step, it's really becoming clear on what is not serving us and how that is happening. Because doubts will arise, has been my case so many times. Why should I give up on this? What about if? There's a lot of ifs and too many doubts there. So how do we become clear, Byron? A big part of that doubt is because you're seeking certainty, a lot of people, they want to know exactly what the outcome is going to be before they take action. But the problem with that is until you dive in, you're never going to know. And this is why a lot of people spend their entire life waiting for the perfect moment or everything to feel completely right before getting started. And that's why a big part of overcoming that doubt is allowing yourself to go in with the mentality that you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to get everything right straight away. But as you start making progress, everything will become clearer. And when you take that pressure off yourself, it becomes so much easier to begin. So you've just got to really understand where that doubt is coming from and what's missing that would allow you to feel like you're more confident in what needs to get done. And a lot of the time, it is just taking that first step and pushing yourself to believe that actually you can make it happen. Is this something that do you, I know you work as a coach, you are a mindset and high performance coach. Do you meet your clients online and in person or just online? Everything I do is online. It's why I've managed to build a business that's allowed me the opportunity to work with people in so many different countries. Because it goes back to when I first started, I wanted to build a business that gave me freedom. And that was why I set it up that way. Yeah, it sounds wonderful to me. And if anyone wants to contact you, what's the best place to contact you as a coach? The book, I'll have the link, the Amazon link. But your website's byronmorrison.com. Is that the best yeah, that's right. And, and and people can also follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn. I put out daily videos and thought leadership posts and content on helping people take control of their lives. So if anyone just searches for author Byron Morrison, I'll come up on any platform. So going back to the book, maybe you should give up. There's a, a section here, a passage that I selected. You said, I did give up on playing it safe. I gave up on being afraid to failure. I gave up on worrying about what other people thought of me. I gave up on trying to be perfect. I gave up on all my excuses about why I couldn't succeed. I gave up putting off my happiness. So this is, it's almost like a, a prayer in a way. <laughs> it's almost like a mantra. For me, resonated, I gave up on trying to be perfect. That's something that I tried for so long and caused so much suffering. So perfection. Is this something that you also address, Byron? Oh, I take that you do. So how do you address this? It's almost like obsession with perfection that some of us have. Yeah, I talk about this in depth in section six of the book, but it's just really coming to understand that while being your own harshest critic is no doubt a great motivator, it's never going to lead to any real happiness because no matter what you do, you're always going to have been able to do a little bit better. There's always going to be more that you could have done. And I find that perfectionism, a lot of people put on a pedestal, convincing themselves that's a good thing when actually 
the perfectionism in itself is down to fear because they're afraid of what happens if they fail? What if they're not good enough? What if people judge them? That's why they avoid putting things out there because they worry about what's going to go wrong. And this is why a big part of overcoming perfectionism is understanding what's actually holding you back because a lot of the time it is that fear that you're convincing yourself is a positive, whereas it's actually taking you away from the life that you want. Um, there's another two strategies I find are really powerful as well for overcoming perfectionism. And the first one is setting a what I call an at-peace outcome. So this is basically thinking ahead of time, okay, what is the outcome that I would feel like is enough? It's good, it's gonna get results, and when it happens, I'll feel at peace with the result. The reason why that's so important is if you don't have that in place, you're always just gonna be focusing on the outcome and what could have done better, gone better, so you're never gonna feel like it's enough. The second strategy is to reframe anything that could have gone better into an opportunity. So rather than viewing, okay, oh, we made these mistakes, this went wrong, reframe it in your own head of being like, okay, we've got this clarity, we've learned these lessons, this is how we're going to improve for the future to make it even better next time. So all of a sudden, instead of it being a negative, it's something that sets you up for success mm -hmm. the next time you're in that situation. Yeah, that sounds like a recipe for success for sure and happiness. And that also sounds to me like the work of healing, personal development, as some say. So we are working on ourselves and our belief systems. And speaking of belief systems, I like um, a section in your book. I think you say the seven major beliefs that people need to give up in order to achieve the results they want in their lives. So reactiveness. Uh, that's one fear you just mentioned, uh, the future, short-term thinking, comparison, self-criticism, unhappiness. So unhappiness, that's has everything to do with the belief system, right, Byron? As you just said, that we can actually see anything as an opportunity for growth, anything. So, But if we are unhappy then and always dissatisfied, not always complaining, then we were not able to see the options. That's what I, it sounds yeah, like to me. That, that's, that's part of it. The other part of it is also giving up on the idea of putting off our happiness. Because I think we're all guilty of saying that when we reach that next goal or that next milestone, that's when we'll spend more time with our family, we'll prioritize our health, we'll do something for ourselves. But that's what we said the time before and the time before that. And so often we put off the things that we want, convincing ourselves that we're too busy or we have too many things going on. And that's why it is one of those beliefs that we have to overcome that it's never going to be the perfect time. But if something's truly important to you, you have to make it a priority. And that starts with giving yourself permission that you're going to allow yourself to find a way to make it happen. It's really about figuring out the things that are truly important to you and just allowing yourself to follow through with them. Right. Oh, I love that. I love this discovery kind of, um, well, it is inner work, but it sounds fun to me, the exploration of what matters to us, but also takes courage, doesn't it, Byron, to um, listen to the voice of our hearts, the way I put it, and, you know, what's true to us and really get to do it. There's so much fear, as you mentioned earlier, too. Is there a time frame for this to happen, the exploration of what matters to us, or it's something that could happen in an, in an instant, like now? I think it's an ongoing process. Because as we grow and we develop, what our desires, our wants, and our needs change along with it. And that's why I think a lot of people pressure themselves that they have to have it all figured out. 
And that's why it's really about just embracing the process and learning about yourself and who you are along the way. Because when you can go in with that open mind, everything becomes so much easier. Whereas if you're just constantly feeling like, I need to figure this out, I need to get everything in place, like that's when you're just going to fall further away from where you want to be. So yeah, I would just say it's an ongoing, it's not an end result, it's a journey that you have to go through and something that you need to embrace every step of the way. It's like having a purpose. A lot of people, they talk about uncovering the purposes of our lives as we go, as you just said, as a journey. Is there a relationship, a connection between the purpose, um, what matters to you now in this moment and what mattered to you back then when you started on the journey? Uh, yeah, the mission and the purpose is still the same, even though the work has shifted slightly. I, when I started this 10 years ago, I had lost a lot of weight. I'd got out of my own head. I turned my life around and I saw so many people who were struggling like I was. And that was why I wrote my first book and why I started the business with the goal of helping as many people as possible take control of the life that they wanted. And then over the last decade from the work I've been doing of getting to know myself better, I found that my passion was a lot more in the mindset as opposed to the health field and really understanding why people don't follow through and focusing on helping them on that aspect. So even though the way that I'm doing it has shifted and evolved, the reason behind it's still the same. It's wanting to be able to know that actually I've done something that makes a difference in the world, especially because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders. And it's really fulfilling for me to know that if I help that person get to the next level, they can then go and help more people. And it has this domino effect where together we make the world a better place. So that's been the purpose and mission from day one. And it's still something that's guiding me in what I'm doing. Mm, yeah. So the core of what matters to you, it's still the same. But it's just the uh, the form, the way you've been manifesting that it's different. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Very clear the way you explain that. Another question I have about the, uh, the seven major beliefs that people need to give up in order to be happy and successful is comparison. I know that you say, he says, look how great those other people are at this already. So how can we kind of most change this idea of comparison in our minds, of course, and see it as motivation, as let's say encouragement? Because I love seeing people who are succeeding and that motivates me in a way. Like, oh, I love how they do this. There's no envy or any, any negative energy there. It's just, um, I would love to kind of do or get close to what they do. Let's say for an example, I love, um, you, you probably never heard of him. I hope you did. His name is Rupert Spira. He's a spiritual teacher from the UK, actually. So I love the way he expresses himself when he talks about spirituality, you know, non-duality, Advaita Vedanta, that's the teachings. And it's something, I'm a student of, of Vedanta. So I would love to speak, get to, the, get to that point of talking about those deep spiritual concepts in the way he does. Not exactly that way, but uh, with so much grace and presence. So is this uh, a form of comparison or, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> 
I wouldn't say that's really comparison. I'd say that's more admiration because you see someone that inspires you and it makes you want to be better, which is a very big difference to say someone going on Instagram and having a look at people who are in better shape than them, people who are doing things that they wish they were doing and then feeling bad about themselves. Like that's where comparison comes in. It's where you look at what someone else is doing and you use as a reflection to feel like you're not good enough. And this is why to anyone listening, I always want to really reinforce the message that you have to understand that on social media, everyone only shows you what they want you to see. So you're essentially comparing your life to someone else's highlight reel. And I find a lot of the time, the reason why we compare ourselves to others is we haven't fully internalized what it is we want. Um, I give a really good example of this in the book, where when I first started my business, at the time, a lot of my friends were settling down, they were advancing in their career, they were having kids and buying houses. And for a while, I felt like in comparison, I was failing. And it was only when I really started to think about it, I realized that I didn't want what they had. Like the reason I left the corporate world and started a business is I wanted freedom. I wanted to run my own company. I didn't want to be tied to a house with kids. But because even though I knew that was what I wanted, I hadn't taken the time to really internalize it. And that was why I felt this disconnect because I was comparing myself in a completely uneven playing field. And that's why I find the way you stop comparing yourself to others is you need to figure out what is it you actually want. And then you need to get a tunnel vision where you block out everything else. Because if you know on a deep level, this is the life I want to create, then what other people is doing is irrelevant. Then you can see other people succeed. You can be like, that's amazing. I'm so happy for them. I don't want that though. I want this and go back focusing on yourself. Because I'm a big advocate of cheering for others and being proud of their success. But it's just really accepting that there is no timeline for life. So stop pressuring yourself to compete with others. Mm, Wow. That's a powerful and empowering message that we need to be reminded of, all of us. So true, Byron. Yes. So it is the work of self-discovery. It's knowing oneself. What See, that's why I talked to you briefly off record about spirituality. Your message resonated that way, spiritual. Like, wow, I know you don't call it spiritual, but it really resonated that way because that's the work that anyone who says that spiritual is into spirituality, that's what we do. It's all about what am I here to do? What is the purpose of this, which I don't even call me, but the energies here? What is um, just letting them flow naturally wherever it feels it fits instead of trying to fit in? and feeling uncomfortable, which I have done it before, of course, and I know the difference. I love that message. So that's, um, I have to say that with sadness even, because it's something that we don't learn from childhood, most of us. So we struggle to go inward. We usually see the world, we open our eyes, and then now we become this almost like objective experience. And we are not really in contact with what is having the experience. So I love the message, uh, your message of um, going within, knowing what we are here for and feeling at peace with that. So we don't need to, we don't have to put anybody down or feel envious, which causes so much suffering. Beautiful message. I absolutely love that. I have to say it again. (laughs) There's another question I have here on your book, chapter two, letting fear control you. So the truth about fear, talk to me for a moment about that. What is the truth about fear? Yeah. So what people need to understand is that fear 
is all coming from your subconscious mind because your brain wants to keep you stuck where you are. That's why it fills your head with all of these doubts and these fears and these negative thoughts because it wants to stop you from taking action and moving forward. The reason being is everything in your past has been survived, whereas your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, they're all new, meaning they bring with it an inherent risk. And that's why your brain panics because it wants to keep your life for as long as possible. So it wants to avoid anything that can bring potential pain. And that's why you really need to understand that a lot of those fears in your head, they're nothing more than stories. They're your subconscious mind sabotaging you because it wants to keep you here. And that's why you really need to recognize that the life that you want to live is on the other side of that fear. But until you start pushing yourself to face it, you're never going to see who you can become. And when you can start embracing fear and recognizing that it's nothing more than a negative story, that's when you can start seeing the situation for what it truly is. And then it becomes so much easier to put yourself out there. Mm, so, so true. There's another message in your book that caught my attention. Was I think it was about chapter four about fixating on the future. That you talk about concentrating on where we are going, the direction in life that we want to go, uh, rather than in the present. So that's an interesting concept that I actually never thought of that way. I usually, of course, we are, um, the mind is everywhere. It's always reminiscing in the past, bringing the past into the, the, the present moment and then thinking about the future. How do we learn to do that? I know in spiritual teachings, it's all about the present moment, being here. Everything's happening now. There's no past or future. How do we balance that with the focus on the future? Yeah, so it is a really fine balance because a big theme of the book is all about living with intention of feeling more moments and being more present. But the problem for a lot of people is they live their life where the choices they make are based on what they want right now. And a lot of the time that's going to be based on instant gratifications, prioritizing pleasure or comfort or security. Whereas at the end of the day, if you want to actually achieve success, at times you're going to have to make sacrifices, you're going to have to take risks. You And this is why a big part of the message is getting you to start making choices based on where you want to get to, not just on where you are. Because if you're always just prioritizing what you want in the moment, a lot of the time that's going to come at the expense of your future goals. Um, really easy to follow a health example that I think anyone can understand is, let's say you're trying to lose some weight. Well, if you're just prioritizing what you want in the moment, you're always going to pick that piece of cake or that chocolate bar because it makes you feel good. Whereas if you actually want to lose the weight, you need to make decisions based on your goal and the future version you want to create. And that means at those times, it's going to be passing on that junk food because you know it's going to take you further away from where you want to be. But most people don't think this way. They always think of what's going on in the moment, not recognizing those choices often take them further away from the future they want to create. Mm, so, it's, so uh, true. Yeah. It's the same whether it's in business, relationships, or every yeah. other area of your life. What is your concept or your idea of freedom? What is to be free? So freedom for me is knowing that you're spending your time and your days doing the things that you want to do. Like it's being able to travel the world to meet interesting people to go to new places and not just be tied to any one spot that's a big part of the reason why i go into business and it's also not just freedom of location and geography though it's also freedom of time it's knowing that you're doing the things that you want to do with your days you're not just 
doing stuff to get a paycheck and because you have to. I think that's a big part of the trap I was in when I was in the corporate world. So now it's just really about understanding, okay, what is it that brings you that joy and fulfillment and how do you then make it happen? That is so true. You know, th- listening to you again, I kind of start reflecting about my own life. The idea of locations, as you said, and then time. I also think about how the mind, kind of my mind understands the world and what's happening. I love the idea that whatever decision I make or this body mind makes, it will be okay with it as well. We'll be at peace with it. If I eat the chocolate now, although my goal is to lose weight, for example, then I would not blame myself or feel shame for it. I would just kind of, ah, it's okay. (laughs) Because I'm very good at forgiving myself and being kind to myself. So I guess I would add that there. Would you too, Byron? (laughs) But that comes down to making conscious choices on the life that you want to live. Because if you're giving it to impulse just because something's there, that's a lot of the time when you beat yourself up over it. Whereas if you're making a decision because you want something, then fine. Like I'm all for balance and doing things to enjoy life. Um, I would never sit here and say to people, oh, you have to give up on all those things. <laughs> yes. It's never going to get you where you want to be. But it's about making them a conscious decision. It's about you having it, not just because it's there and because you truly want it. And basing that on, okay, these are your goals and the things that you then need to do in order to make them happen. Because at times you will have to make sacrifices. Sacrifice, uh, that's another word, idea that kind of... um. I know I don't want to kind of live this way, thinking that I'm sacrificing something, but rather that is um, the flow of the energies, of the purpose, or whatever the intention that I probably set uh, many years ago from the beginning of my life. I really prefer to think that way, but I know that, of course, there's uh, so much compromising that we have to make, especially as, a, as an adult, as a mature human being. We cannot just do whatever we want. They'll be childish yeah. in a way. You've, you've got to be, this goes back to the freedom though. It's picking yeah. your sacrifices that you're willing to make. Mm, There's yes. a lot of people, they're stuck in a life that they're not happy with and they have to make all these sacrifices just to get through. Whereas if I use the example of the business I've built, like the sacrifices I make, they're a choice. It's because I have a big vision, a big impact, something that I'm working towards. That's why I'm at peace with the sacrifices because I've chosen to do them. And life is always going to have struggles and pain and things you need to overcome. So it's all about, again, being intentional with what are the things you're willing to put yourself through in order to make it happen. That's when sacrifices are part of it, because you have to be willing to, again, step up and go after what you want. Because if you you're going to make sacrifice somewhere, so it's what, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to make it happen? Yes. Yeah. So that feels very much like we are in control. And that's something that uh, I struggle with a lot of times. The idea that there's the control idea that, oh, I, I can control this, but it's not really control. I love the way you say that. It's more intentions and conscious decisions uh, and the sacrifices we are willing to make. That changes everything, <laughs> the way you phrase it. Uh, it really changes everything. So language is very important. Huh? It's interesting. So we're almost at the end, and I have way too many notes here. So I want to mention also something else in the book that caught my attention that has to do with the, the main message, happiness, success. You have the three steps to happiness, the happiness now, actually, in this moment. Prioritize yourself, 
get to know the best version of yourself, be present. So the question for me that arose before and it's still here is how do we know when we are actually in contact with the best version of ourselves? What is the measurement for that? Yeah, so for me, it's less of a measurement and it's more knowing where you're going and the actions that you need to take. And it's able to ask yourself when you go to bed tonight, did you show up as the person that you wanted to be? Did you take action that got you close towards the life that you wanted? And if so, are you at peace with that? Because the reason why I like that as a definition of happiness is becoming the best version of yourself is it grows with you as you evolve and you move through your journey. That changes along the way. And that's why being the best version of yourself, we all know deep down when we're not showing up properly, when we're not following through, when we're not doing things as our best. So part of it is knowing, okay, this is the life that you want to create. And then the other part of it is having that self-awareness to be like, are you actually being the person that you should be right now? And in the times that you're not, it's not about being yourself up. It's just about recognizing, okay, what is going on here? Why am I not showing up properly? And what do I need to do going forward? in order to feel like I actually am. Because one a big part of my message is getting people to realize that you can't change the past. What's done is done. And all being yourself up over it is doing is wasting time and energy you can never get back. But what you can do is make a decision right here and now that you're going to do something different, that you're going to start pushing yourself, that you're going to grow, and that you're going to stop holding yourself back. When you make that mental shift, that's when you can finally stop moving forward towards the life you want. Yes, that takes a lot of self-awareness, doesn't it, Byron? <laughs> That's the work of self-awareness to me. Yeah, it 100% is. Wow. And it's ongoing, isn't it? It's not something that we, a place that we arrive at and stay there. It's actually like happiness or success or whatever that is. Although I do love to believe that inner peace, it is um, a permanent state of being. It's actually the true, the real state of being. It's inner peace, it's calm. There's something in me that kind of is very attracted to that idea. Does it resonate with you somehow? <laughs> yeah, it really does. It's just that, but that comes, in my opinion, from being able to slow down, just be more present, to feel more moments. That's where that feeling comes from. But I found this is where a lot of people get it wrong because they convince themselves that happiness is going to come from some achievement in the future. But the reality is that actually happiness comes from the journey and the journey takes place in the present. And the way that you then find happiness is to find that inner peace. And it's just allowing yourself to slow down, to stop trying to be in such a rush to get everywhere and just pull yourself into the moment to be connected to those around you, to enjoy what you're doing. When you start adapting that mentality, even the small mundane things can start to bring joy into your life. Um, one thing, I talk about this in the final chapter of the book, but I think it's an important part of the message we're going with here, is about a year ago, I had a really difficult time where my dog, Harvey, who's basically like my son, um, he had a really bad stroke. And we took him to the vet, and the vet was like, basically, we can put him to sleep now, or you can take him home for a couple of days quality time. And we refused to give up on him because he wasn't in pain, and I managed to nurse him back, and he's pretty much made a full recovery. But that experience for me has just made me so grateful for the little things in life. Like even uh, because we live in an apartment building. So during the day, I have to take him outside multiple times to go to the toilet and stuff. And like even just going outside and feeling the air and the, the breeze and just being in that moment is now something that in the past was a chore. Now it's something that I'm grateful for because I'm brought into the moment. But 
for anyone listening to us, you don't have to have some big life-altering situation happen to you. Like the way you can start finding that joy is to just bring yourself more into what's happening. Even stuff like washing the dishes or doing basic chores. When you start focusing on being present and what's actually going on, that's how you can find joy in them. I just want to scream yes <laughs> really loud <laughs> a billion times yes to all of that. How did I miss that story? At the end of the book, right about your dog. It seems like I missed yeah, that. Yeah, it's one of the final stories in the book where I was talking about finding happiness. And it was like one of the big things that made me realize why being present in the moment is so important. Yes, I love that. Listen to that connection between you and your dog. I have a dog too that to me is my son too. That's how I think. What is not to love about your message? What your work, Byron? It's just so meaningful and deep. We all need to hear more of this, be reminded of and have access to those truths, which is within ourselves, but we do need guides. So thank you so much for being available, for being this beautiful human being who is open to greatness, to inspiration, to true happiness. Thank you. Thank you for having me here and let me share this message. So I do have the ending questions, a few of them. But before that, would you like to read a passage in your book, Byron? One thing, like without reading a passage, like one message I would just yeah. love to pass on to anyone listening to this right now is that for most of my life, I was my own worst enemy. Like I was the one who was sabotaging everything from my health to my relationships, my professional success. And it was only when I took the time to take a step back and really figure out what's going on here that I realized that the biggest barrier in the way was myself. It was the thoughts and the stories and the beliefs in my head. And they were the reason why I had limitations on myself and why I wasn't reaching my potential. And that's why I'd encourage anyone listening to us right now is just takes a little bit of time to just really reflect on where you're at right now. This is not about dwelling on the point in your life or what's going on. It's about you taking time to really figure out where in your life are you meant for something more? Why are you not going after it? And why are you holding yourself back? Because when you get that awareness and you start bringing it into your consciousness, that's when you can set the intention of what you're going to do about it going forward. But if you don't take the time to process and think about it, you're just going to keep accepting that this is the way life has to be. Mm, yes, another billion yeses to that. Yes. Um, wow. And you do have your breakthrough course that's available on your website, right, Byron? Just to clarify, you have the course, you have the books, and you have the coaching, and you have the course, and you also have, uh, I think it's a video series on YouTube, byronmorrison.com slash bonuses. Yeah, I've put together a whole video series and other resources for anyone who grabs my new book, Maybe You Should Give Up, to give them the tools and strategies and guidance they need to break through to the next level. It was just my way of giving back and wanting to help people further. Yes, wonderful. I'll have the, your website, the link of the Amazon link to your book and everything else. Of course, we are working together. We're still collaborating, so we'll be in touch. But before we end the conversation today, I do have another question for you. The ending questions, let me choose. I'll ask you this one. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, that is a fantastic question. I'd say the first one is just understanding what inner peace really feels like. It's just being at a point in your life where you just feel like, do you know what? I'm content right now. This is how I want to feel. Because I think for a lot of us, we're so stressed and overwhelmed and rushing around that we don't slow down. So it's just really understanding what that actually feels like. Um, another one would be 
the ability to completely disconnect and switch off. Um, I actually did this for the first time ever in December. Um, I was at a point where I was just so wired and switched on that I actually went 17 days without access to my email or phone. And because I just realized mentally I needed a break. And for the first time in over a decade, I stopped worrying about problems. I stopped constantly thinking about work. And I actually switched off. I was connected to my partner. Her and I had this amazing trip. And I was just so present and happy. So that would be something that I would want any single person here to really want to embrace. And then the final one is just to feel proud of themselves. Um, I think so many people that I work with are their own harshest critic and they always feel like no matter what they do, it's never enough. And anyone listening to this right now, chances are they're doing far better than they give themselves credit for. The fact that they're engaged in this work, they're listening to the show, Mm. shows that they're bettering themselves and they're improving. And that's why it's just really getting them to recognize that actually they're doing really well. Yes, they've still got a long way to go, but that's the journey. And when they can start having some self-compassion and feeling proud of what they're doing, that's when they can start appreciating everything a lot easier. So true. I love your wisdom. Of course, what's not to love about it? I have to say it again. Thank you so much again for your presence here today and your contribution to happiness, peace, success, and all these great, great achievements that... I wish for all humans to have as well. Thank you so much again, Byron, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Byron Morrison and his work, please visit byronmorrison.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.